Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. The fourth chapter of John, Jesus said, Worship the Father. For they who worship the Father must worship in spirit and in truth. I was making a point along that line this morning. And I uh, mentioned to you that in a vision where Jesus appeared to Brother Hagin in 1987, talked to him a lot of, about a lot of things going on in the church. And one of those things that he spent quite a bit of time talking to him about was New Testament worship, praise and worship. And he said that Jesus said this. He said, when you come over, he first of all mentioned the Old Testament. And he said, when you come over into the New Testament, you find that all praise and worship is to be done in the spirit. They who worship the Father must worship him in spirit and in truth. And uh, Brother Hagin then made these comments in that, in, same, in that same book, a couple of different statements. He said, under the New Covenant, everything we do in worship must be in the spirit. And another another uh, statement he, he made was, we should worship in the power of his spirit. And uh, we should be careful in worship that we don't allow flesh to be involved in what we do. And if you watch... Uh, nationally known worship groups. If you watch worship on TV, there's a lot that is in the flesh. We need to be careful about any kind of antic, any type of habitual thing that we do that is of the natural man. Uh, Because like I said, if you watch praise and worship, worship groups or worship videos and so forth on, on uh, YouTube and different things, you'll find if you examine it very closely that there's a lot of worship leaders that know how to work up things. And they have these little mannerisms and these things they do that, that are not of the Spirit because they do them every, every single service, almost in every song. Little things they say, little things they do, and, and it's, a, it's a habitual thing. And it's of the flesh, and, it, and it's not sinful. It just dilutes the presence of God. Anything we do in the natural, when we're in a, in, in a praise and worship setting, anything we do that, is, that arises from the flesh, arises from the natural, or especially exalts the natural to make someone look at us or... or Think of us, we ought to try to be completely invisible in the presence of God. Leaders should be. And, and those of us in the congregation, we need to be that way. Amen. And I don't know if you can understand what I'm saying, but I, I trust you do. Praise the Lord. Or praise God. Or what I'm referring to. Just, just let the Lord talk to you about it. Amen. Glory to God. We, we mentioned this this morning. That... Uh, People saved and unsaved will recognize the presence of God and will gather where his presence is in manifestation because mankind instinctively longs for the restoration of the presence of God. 
The Bible says that God put eternity, eternity in the hearts of men. There is a knowing. Now, atheists and, un, and, and agnostics and, and so forth will mock the things of God. But they really long for the presence of God. But they're cynical. Atheists and mockers are cynical because they haven't experienced anything like this. And they see so much in the church world that looks phony and contrived and made up. And and the shameful thing of it is, a lot of it is. Now, it's not intended to be. I don't believe people necessarily intend to be this way, but the human heart is exceedingly deceitful apart from the Spirit of God. The flesh always wants to exalt itself, and we often are not really conscious of the flesh and the voice of the flesh and the promptings of the flesh. So it's very often people in, uh, in church services, they want to do right, but they don't even recognize sometimes the things that they're doing. It's not, it wasn't birthed by the Spirit. Amen. And so uh, that doesn't mean we should be on eggshells. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying we should long for the pure worship of God. And, and the less of me as a natural man that can be in that. The less of, 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 of self and the pride of, 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 of life and the pride of life. The less of that that can be in worship, the better. Amen. Because God gets glory when we worship him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. And this, then my last point is uh, what I want to go on t- tonight. Uh, let me go over the first three in case you weren't here this morning. Uh, number one, God desires to manifest his glory among his people. Number two, God's glory will be upon those who worship him in his ways. Number three, people and saved and unsaved will recognize his glory and will gather where it is because mankind instinctively longs for the restoration of the presence of God. And then number four, God's glory in the midst of a congregation can be lost. A congregation can know the glory of the Lord and can lose it. Amen. Well, how does that happen? Well, the glory of the Lord is diminished to whatever degree the will of the flesh and the pride of human hearts persist in doing things their own way. To the degree that the will of the flesh and the pride of human hearts persist in doing their own way. And in churches, it's so easy for that to happen. It's so easy for that to creep back in. And I'll, and I'll tell you why in just a minute. Let's turn to Judges chapter 16. Judges, the 16th chapter. After the days of Joshua, the land of Israel uh, was governed by judges that the Lord raised up to deliver the children of Israel from the hand of their enemies. Now, the Philistines had, uh, uh, had come into power, And from the days of the judges all the way up through the days of King David, the Philistines were a constant source of trouble for the the people of God. And they constantly rose up against the children of Israel. And the children of Israel, 
would get into idolatry. And when they'd get into idolatry, the Philistines would, would overcome them, take them over and begin to rule them. And so these judges were raised up and, and a little along, one after another, they, they uh, helped to rid Israel from the domination of the Philistines. Now, one of those judges, and we're, we're familiar with Samson, and, uh, you know, Samson was a man that uh, 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 the angel of the Lord appeared to, appeared to his mother before he was, he was, he was born and said to her, that, and, and she didn't have a child, she was barren, and the Lord appeared to her, this angel did, and said, you're going to bear a son, but be very careful to uh, not, while you're pregnant, don't eat anything unclean, don't drink any wine or any strong drink, and when the child is raised, make sure he's raised that way, that he doesn't eat anything that's unclean, drink any uh, wine or strong drink, and, and make sure that you don't cut his hair because he will be a Nazarite, from his birth. And a Nazarite, I think that's found originally, uh, you can look it up, I think it's over in Numbers. It's where the, where the, uh, the Nazarite came from. And it was a, a young person, a young man that was totally dedicated to the Lord. The parents dedicated him to the Lord for the service of God. He didn't have to be from, from, from uh, uh, one of the priestly groups. Anybody uh, could, could do this by, by the Lord's direction. And one of the things they, they required was that this, uh, this young man not cut his hair. And this was the, the length of his hair. His long hair was a sign of his commitment to God and God's uh, commitment to keep his hand on him. And so Samson was one of these, one of these individuals. The, the angel of the Lord appeared to his mother and uh, told her this. Well, then she, when the angel of the Lord went away, she went to her husband and said, uh, you know, this man of God. She didn't know it was an angel at the time. She just knew that he was a man of God. She told her husband, and his appearance was awesome. <laughs> sort of like me, you know. <laughs> she said his appearance was awesome. She knew he was a man of God. So uh, Manoah prayed about it, you know, and, and uh, he said, Lord, now, he said, let that man come back. He just thought he was a prophet. He said, let that man of God come back and tell me the same thing. And so he wasn't with his wife, and, his, and then the angel of the Lord appeared to uh, Samson's mother again, told her the same thing. And she said, hold on a minute, and she ran and found her husband and said, come, the man of God that was here the other day has come back. So, so her husband came. And, uh, and so he asked him, and, he, and this is a very important uh, uh, standard for parents. He said, how shall we raise this boy? In what manner? What shall be his manner of life? What shall we do? Every parent ought to ask that question where their children are concerned. It's not my will. It's not what they, God, what do you want for this child's life? How are we to raise this child? Of course, we know uh, in, in every way we're to raise them according to the word of God. But God will give you direction along those lines. How, how to watch over your children. This is a, a side message, but this is important. If you'll do that, God will instruct you where your children are concerned. He absolutely will. Amen. And so, uh, uh, you know, he asked this, uh, uh, and, and his wife told, told him, he said, I didn't ask the man his name. So uh, her husband asked the angel, what is your name? The angel said, why are you asking me my name since my name is wonderful? And, uh, and, and so he said, well, I'm going to build, uh, I'm going I'm to make a uh, sacrifice. And he said, well, he said, I'll, I'll let you make the sacrifice, but you can't sacrifice to me. You have to sacrifice to the Lord and I won't eat any of your food. 
And so he built this, this uh, altar, you know, on the rock and, and offered up the sacrifice. And this angel ascended in the flames of that sacrifice and went up into heaven. Now, I don't know if it's, if which, I don't know which side of this coin is right, but some people believe that the angel of the Lord was, a, was an appearance of God, that God, it was God appearing as the angel of the Lord. In other places, he's refer, referred to as the angel of, of God, other times the angel of the Lord. I don't really know, uh, but it's really not that important to me. He was from God, that's for sure. But uh, Manoah, is that, is that his wife? Yeah, Manoah, his, his name, right? Yeah, he and his wife, just, they, they fell on the ground when this angel just, he, he, he ascended, got up in this flame, and just went up into heaven in the flame. Well, they fell on their face. They said, we're going to die. We've seen God. That, that was a, 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 uh, uh, a saying or a, or a uh, uh, what do you call it, that, that people have a, a suspicion, super, superstition. That's what I was trying to say. It was a superstition that was common that if you see God, you'll die. But you know, a lot of people in the Bible saw God in vision for him. They didn't die. He appeared. He appeared to Abraham. He appeared to different ones. But... Uh, I mean, he appeared to, to uh, Adam, and he didn't die. Amen. But anyway, uh, they said, we've seen God. We're going to die. And his wife said, well, now, wait a minute. <laughs> if God was going to kill us, why would he show himself to us? Because he's told us all these things to do. If, he's gonna, if he was going to kill us, he wouldn't have told us these things to do after we're dead. And uh, she said, just calm down. We're not going to die. And so, you know, they, they raised uh, Samson the way they were supposed to. They did their job. But, you know, parents, you can, you can do your job. But when a time of accountability comes, a child has to make his own decisions. And we are there to, to direct that child in the right way. Amen? But particularly when, when a young man becomes of age, uh, young man or young woman, you, you, young people, you can't, you can't hide under mom and daddy's spiritual coattails all your life. You have to make a decision to live right. Now, now I don't know why I'm going to all this background, but uh, Samson, you know, he, he made some decisions that, that were not good, but some of them were not as bad as they looked. He went to the Philistines to find a wife. Now, the Philistines were not one of the seven nations that God said when the children of Israel, uh, you know, left Egypt, and these nations that uh, wouldn't, you know, oppose them and wouldn't let them pass through their, their territory and so forth. The Lord said, don't ever have anything to do with these seven nations. Don't marry in them. Don't have... Philistines, Philistia, uh, Philistia was not one of those. So it wasn't against the law to intermarry, but uh, surely... You know, he, he could have found a wife among his own people, and that's what his parents said. Why are you going here? But the Bible said it was of the Lord to give an occasion against the Philistines. And uh, the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon Samson, and he had, he had troubles with his first wife. She was a Philistine woman, and she deceived him and tried to get him to talk her into showing him where his strength lied because the hand of the Lord would come upon him, and he was mighty in valor. And uh, you remember he slew the, the lion... Well, the lion came out against him, you know, and, and uh, I was talking about, you know, not wanting to meet up on, with a bear. Well, if the hand of the Lord comes on you, you can meet up with anything, but you better be sure the hand of the Lord's on you. And he grabbed this lion and just tore him apart like he was a little old, you know, nothing, little old tiny animal. You just ripped him apart with his bare hands. And uh, then he went, praise the Lord, I'm just saying it all, I guess go over the whole history, <laughs> but I won't, I'm going to just skip on. Anyway, you know that story. So now he, he meets Delilah. Okay, so let's begin in the 16th chapter of Judges. Now Samson went to Gaza 
and saw a harlot there and went into her. That's usually not a good move. When the Gazites, when the Gazazites were told Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night, saying in the morning when it is daylight, we will kill him. So Samson lay low until midnight. Then he arose at midnight. I guess they were all asleep then. Took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two guideposts, gateposts, and pulled them up bar and all. Put them on his shoulders and carried them on to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Afterward, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of, of Soketh, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him that we may bind him to afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound and what you may be bound and with what you may be bound to afflict you. Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, yet not dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other. So the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. Now men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room. So they were hiding. And she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, Look, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me where you may, where you may be, what you may be bound with. So he said to her, If they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Therefore Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And men were weighing, lay, laying in wait, lying in wait, uh, wait, staying in the room. Then he broke them off his arms like a thread. Delilah said to Samson, until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, if you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of the loom. So she wove it tightly with the batten of the loom and said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep, pulled out the batten and the web with the loom. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass, but I'm not even going to say those next few words. I guess I will. I guess I'll have to. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily. (laughs) That's never a good prescription. Women, when you pester your husband daily, you might not get what you want. But she, she did, actually. She got what, well, she got what she asked for, but she didn't get what she wanted. You can get what you asked for, but you not, might not get what you want. She pestered him daily with her words, impressed him, so that his soul was vexed to death. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Not that I know personally. Now, you know, you might wonder, now, why? Then he told her, it says, uh, then he told her all his heart. 
and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. You wonder now, why did he do that? Well, these men were lying in wait, but they never came out. So he didn't know they were lying in wait. And he thought she was just playing with him, and he was just mocking her, really, playing back, you know. But eventually, he got tired of the game. And so he told her the truth. When Delilah saw, verse 18, that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up at once, for he has told me all his heart. So the lord of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes. That's they gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They brought, bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. Praise the Lord. Verse 20, however, the hair of his head began to grow again as it had been shaven. And so we know the rest of the story that that his hair grew out long and he eventually uh, pulled down the pillars of the temple and destroyed all of the the worshipers there. The Philistines, thousands of people died. um, But the thing is here, the tragic thing about Samson was not that he had lost his strength. The tragic thing was that he didn't even know it. He didn't know he had lost his strength until he was in the hands of of the Philistines, until he had become a slave to them, was crippled by his enemy. And that's a lesson to us in the church, that we need to stay in the place of God's favor where worship is concerned. We need to contend for his presence and for his glory because, honestly, our worship can become tinny. You know what I mean by that? Just tinny. And rather than wholehearted worship, we need to maintain wholeheartedness in our worship, that, that vibrance and, and purity of heart. Because this has happened to so many churches and so many people. I've, I've seen it over the years. Hearts can become hardened to the presence of God just as they can be hardened against the presence of God. And we know that there are a lot of people in the church world that their hearts are hardened against his presence. They don't want anything to do with his presence. They come into a service where God is moving. They don't want anything to do with that. They, they, they hate it. They despise it because their heart is hardened. Well, a, a church who ha- that experiences the presence of God, that has the presence of God, if, if it's not careful, become, can become hardened to it rather than against it. In other words, by its frequency, taking things for granted. And uh, that, that's a terrible thing. And, uh, and it, can be, it, can, it can result in the loss of the glory of God and the people not even know it. Because people have a, 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 a tendency to just go on and, and make up and it substitutes for the presence of God. And Samson said, I will shake myself as at other times. You know, churches, I've I've witnessed this, and I see it going on in the body of Christ now. Churches 
that once had a move of God have learned certain moves, certain things they know how to do to bring on something that looks like a move of God. There are churches that that once had God's presence and God's spirit flowing. And there were great manifestations and demonstrations of the spirit. But the flesh crept in. People began to take things for granted. And the glory of the Lord and the, and the real move of the Spirit has left. But they have these, what I call just, you know, just church moves. These things in the flesh that they do and they work up uh, a demonstration of something they used to have and yet God's not in it. I've seen it happen. And... Uh, They're like Samson. Didn't know that the glory of the Lord had left. Didn't know the presence of God had left. So the challenge before us as a church is to walk before God in purity, in wholeheartedness, and to hospitably, hospitably, is that the right word? Is that how you say that? Hospitably entertain the presence of God. Let's be hospitable to the presence of God and His glory. And that can only come through genuine worship from hearts that truly love and obey God. We must maintain that in all that we do. And I said this this morning and I pulled this out of this note. God's glory and His grace are two completely different matters. His grace is offered to sinners. But His glory is reserved for those willing to walk in His ways. Amen. The scripture instructs us again and again to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Those who have tasted, like we have, the beauty of holiness, we understand what that means. (laughs) The beauty of holiness is the loveliness of his glory. The beauty of his presence. That's the beauty of his holiness. And and, and you go back and, and run your reference Over and over and over and over, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And that's what that is, in in loving his presence. Hallelujah. That's that's something that we need to maintain. And I'm just, I am so thrilled and happy that, that we've reached a place in our church where we can worship the Lord this way. And consistently, and this has been building now for several years, uh, the last couple of years in particular. And uh, I want to live this way the rest of my life. I want to live this way and experience this in, in his church all of the days of my life and for the rest of eternity. Because once you taste, like I said, the loveliness of his presence, it's beyond anything else. Oh, glory to God. And he has more to share with us. And so, as I, and I know this is kind of short this, tonight, but that you can just make a note that it happened. <laughs> that, I, I don't know, I didn't time myself, it might be longer than I thought, but uh, we need to, to, to really be thankful for what God's doing. Amen. Amen. Really be thankful, not take it for granted. Yeah, don't let... The secret of our strength be given up. 
Amen. To stay humble before God as a church. I'm as one with as individual members in a church. Stay humble. I'm kind of glad, you know, that that I was able to reserve this for tonight. Because I, I just sense we have a, a, a building full of hungry people. And if we'll continue to stay that way, I'm telling you what, God has just begun to do what he's going to do in this church. He's just begun. Great things are ahead of us. Great things. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, we honor you tonight, Lord. We worship you. We worship you. Just stand with me to your feet. Glory to God. We honor you. We worship you, Lord. Glory to God. Father, we make a commitment and a consecration. And we pray a prayer for your help. We humble ourselves, Father, before you. And we realize that we all have flesh and we, we, we know how easy it is to get back out of the spirit and get into the natural. And we have a natural life to live, obviously. But when it comes to our times of assembly together, the times when you've called us to That's what you do. That's why you call us together. You call us out. The calling of the church. The church is is God's people called away from their ordinary life. Their ordinary times of, of natural life that we all have obligations in. But we're called out of and away from those things to come into your presence. That's what the church is. God's people called away unto him. So, Father, may we always be willing to to make whatever sacrifices are necessary to, to come with the right heart. That involves just humbling ourselves before you like we are tonight seeking you, desiring you, not growing prideful in anything. We have nothing to be proud about in your eyes over what is going on in our church. There's no no room for pride because you've done this, Father. You've enabled us. You've blessed us. You've given us your favor and glory. So we're not proud. But Father, at the same time, we do rejoice. We're grateful. We're grateful, Father. We want to go further. We want to go higher. We want to go further in your presence. Glory to God. That our lives can be changed and go from glory to glory. From glory to greater glory. And at each step that we make in the Spirit, each advance, every advance that we take in the Spirit, we become more like Jesus, more Christ-like. And His nature and His grace is more able to, to be reflected in our lives, Father.
that we can be the people of God that we should be. Father, that we'll be able to to witness of the Lord, witness about the Lord, and that everything in our lives, Father, even our countenance and our manner of living, Father, will be that that will be attractive to the Lord because it won't be stamped with religion. It'll be stamped with your presence. Not stamped with, with doctrine, but stamped with your presence. Though doctrine is important, the unbeliever can't receive doctrine, but they can be influenced by your presence, by your Holy Spirit and the, and the strength of that and the, the, the magnitude of that being expressed in our lives, Father. We can be the witness to people that we need to be. We live in a, a very wicked time, Lord. I don't know. It may be the, the, the most wicked time of all. I don't, I don't know. It's exceedingly wicked. And this world has, has, has to have a witness of your glory and your presence. In the person of the Lord Jesus Christ shining through us. So, Father, we pray that we will be that people. And we just humbly ask you to continue to lead us, continue to give us the grace we need, continue to help us and make us more and more aware that when we do assemble together, it's sacred, it's holy, it's precious. Hallelujah. And that we'll experience times of refreshing greater than anything we've ever known before. (laughs) Oh, glory to God. I know it can be, Father. I know it can be. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.